1: Nothing in me, in that me, not in that hand me, in that hand me, not in that hand me, not in that hand me, not in that me, not in in me, in
0: Welcome to the Paradigm Shift Slough and Chonibashi Bashi from Iraqi Kurdistan here but broadcasting in Brisbane on your local community radio station 4 Triple Z on the lands of Jagger and Turble people. My name's Andy and I'll be on your radio for the next hour. And yes, as I did just say, I am in Iraqi Kurdistan, as I have been for the last few weeks, if you've been tuning into the paradigm shift. But this week, uh, you will be learning a bit more about Iraqi Kurdistan on the show in terms of the political situation here, the um, conflict situation with neighboring countries, Iran and Turkey, and. Uh, what people are doing to fight for peace and freedom in this particular part of the world. I'll be speaking with Cameron Osman, who has been involved in activism for a long time here in Iraqi Kurdistan, and he is currently a colleague of mine. I'm volunteering here with the community peacemaker teams which you'll learn much more about in the course of this show if you hang around um my wife becca has been involved with the community peacemaker teams for some time as well so i'm over here um seeing if i can lend a bit of a hand um and cameron has plenty to say about uh, both what cpt does and the situation in iraqi kurdistan and also when I got talking to him about some songs to play, he gave me a few that came from the Kurdish Spring in 2011. I thought that was such a an interesting time when the eyes of the world turned on to the Middle East to see um, the these big people-powered movements. And so I thought, actually, I'm really interested in talking about it. So I had a chat with Cameron also about the Kurdish Spring of 2011. I have been also... Uh, working with Cameron as a a translator to talk to a few Kurdish people about some of the history of um, political protest here. Um, Pretty inspiring stories that we certainly don't get to hear much of in Australia. There are some incredible stories here of Kurds struggling for their autonomy and freedom across multiple generations and different uh, political regimes, suffering a, a genocide at the hands of Saddam Hussein in still recent history. A lot of people are still alive who lived through that, people who had to flee the country and came back and in the end got the chance to uh, form their own autonomous region and have had to deal with the complications that come with that and of history now of civil war and hostile relationships with neighbours. And in recent years, uh, Islamic State as well to deal with. So a fascinating story and struggle for the human rights of these people that is ongoing. And I'm glad to bring you a, a bit of an update that we don't hear much of from this part of the world. Cause it has been in the news a bit in the last week. Neighbouring country here, Turkey, is... Um, has been at the election polls and they didn't deliver a result. They will be going back to um, a re-vote and certainly it will be of significant influence for the people of Iraqi Kurdistan as well as Kurds in Turkey and in Syria. As you will, you'll hear a bit about Turkey's influence here. Um, They are a regional superpower here and one that it has been quite oppressive of its Kurdish minority and continues to uh, wage war on its neighbouring countries justified by their own domestic concerns. And so there's a lot hinging on that election and the hope that there could be changes that lead to a more peaceful Middle East if that election is to deliver a result where uh, Kamal Kilichodolu could replace uh, Recep Tayyip Erdogan as the president of Turkey, but for now let's talk Iraqi Kurdistan with Cameron Osman.
2: I'm Cameron Osman. I have bachelor in manufacturing engineering. I have been working as a journalist for uh, a freelancer journalist for five years. Then I started working with Community Peacemaker Team since 2019. And I'm talking to you today because you are part
0: of. CPT that's doing human rights work. Now CPT, uh, community peacemaker teams, goes to conflict zones around the world to try to intervene in a non-violent way. CPT's been in Iraqi Kurdistan since about 2008, which is a long time to have a conflict going. So I guess the first question is, why does Iraqi Kurdistan need CPT?
2: For answering your question, uh, actually, Iraq, as the whole Iraq, needs a team like CPT, a Community Peacemaker Team, is because most of the involvement of the neighboring countries and international community was violence approach or violence involvement. I think this kind of countries like Iraq and Iraqi Kurdistan, they need a non-violence and peace a peaceful approach from the international community and the other people who are uh, like outside of the country to come and to resolve or tackle the, the, all the problems in Iraqi Kurdistan. CPT, what we are doing here is, if we cannot stop the bombardment, we can at least listen to the the people who have been impacted by violence and oppression. If we cannot stop the bombardment, at least we can document the violence and oppression that the neighboring countries and also the other governments are doing against Kurdish people and other minority groups here. Uh, I think the first thing for resolving the problem and conflict is listening to the people who have been impacted. And it's what we as CPT we are doing. And we are asking for acknowledgement from the countries and the people who are doing violence. And also we are publicly... Uh, advocating for these people and amplifying their voice and telling the the, the international community what's going on here and also making them accountable for exporting weapons to Turkey and supporting Turkey for what they are doing, all the uh, cross-border military operations that they are doing here. Uh, I think the role of CPT is very important and we are the only international and local organization in the whole region who's working uh, on the field on documenting violence uh, in the border areas. I guess there's a a lot of politics involved
0: as well in understanding Iraqi Kurdistan and the violence and conflict that happens here. And probably not many people in Australia know much about the politics of Iraqi Kurdistan. Many people uh, would have heard of the Kurds, but maybe mostly in Turkey and don't know that there's a kind of regional autonomy in iraq but we have these two uh figures talibani and barzani these two political parties that dominate kurdish politics here mm. could you give us a bit of an overview of what the political situation is like and how that's relevant to your work in defending human rights and making
2: peace mm, yeah so as you know uh kurdistan the great kurdistan was uh Divided for four countries in 1920s after the Sykes-Picot uh, Agreement. Kurdistan was divided to Turkey, Iraq, Syria and Iran. Uh, we are now talking from Iraqi Kurdistan side. We are in the north of Iraq, but the south of uh, Great Kurdistan. There were a lot of revolutions from Kurdish people in the last century for getting their autonomy and also getting their rights to have a state or having their own government. To run the government and also being responsible in their region, not other people coming and ruling their government. In Iraqi Kurdistan, we had a lot of revolutions and since 1992 we have our own government in Iraqi Kurdistan, which is called uh, Kurdistan Regional Government, KRG. And in uh, Rosh we had a lot of revolutions, but unfortunately still our people from Iranian side, they are still under the Islamic uh, regime, they are still ruling Kurdish people in in Iran, and in Turkey, since a long time, we have a very long-term conflict with the Turkish government, Uh, since 1978, uh, the new revolution has started by PKK, and uh, PKK has a a violence approach to solve the problem, and also they have non-violence approach which is they have a political party, they are joining the elections and also participating in the democratic uh, process in Turkey. But still, our people in Turkey, they don't have their own autonomy and uh, like they have a lot of restrictions and they haven't uh, provided their rights in in Turkey. In Rojava, in Syria, our people from Syria... They have found their own autonomy and governments uh, after the ISIS war, after defeating ISIS uh, in their land. So now in the whole area, we have only two parties that somehow we are uh, liberated from the the, uh, other regimes, which is in Syria and also in Iraqi Kurdistan. But we still have a lot of challenges and we are not fully independent. In Iraqi Kurdistan, we have two main political parties. I think it's better uh, to say we have two families who are ruling and running the government in Iraqi Kurdistan, which is PUK and uh, PDK. Taliban family they are in power in PUK. Uh, Barzani family they are in power in uh, KDP. We can say Kurdistan Democratic Party. And uh, PUK is responsible for one area. They are uh, like running the government in Suli Governorate and Halabja Governorate, and also. KDP, Barzani family, they are uh, running the government in Erbil and also the capital of Kurdistan and also Duhok uh, area. These two political parties, they have fought against each other a lot. They did civil war after uh, 1992, after founding the Kurdistan government, they fought against each other. They killed over 39,000 people between each other among them. And uh, still, they, had, they have a lot of conflicts and also this government and these political parties, they are divided for the neighboring countries. For example, PUK in Suli they are very influenced by Iranian regime, Iranian government. And KDP from Arbil and Duhok, they are influenced by uh, Turkish government. PUK from Suli they have a lot of trade, business, a lot of uh, like political collation and agreements with Iran. And from the other side, KDP has a lot of oil agreement business agreement with Turkey and they are all, both they are influenced by by these two neighboring countries and according to our work what's the relevant to our work one thing we as CPT we have uh, another project beside of documenting the cross border military operations we are supporting journalists and human rights defenders who are facing torture prison and any kind of violence in Iraqi Kurdistan. These two political parties, they are oppressing and in a violence way, they want to suppress and also make the journalists and activists silent in Iraqi Kurdistan. We have documented a lot of violence against journalists and civil activists. We are going to the court, the court hearing, and... Uh, documenting what's going on in the court and what's the human rights violations against these people. We are publicly advocating for these people, amplifying the voice of the families and also talking to the consulates, talking to the international community and uh, join the joint campaigns by the other NGOs together, putting pressure on KRG government, particularly or especially PUK and PDK to respected human rights and freedom of speech in Iraq, Kurdistan. There have been other political parties formed to try to
0: break up the dominance of those two parties. Um, how has that worked? And I guess, is that a, a way that you think is likely to bring about more freedom and peace in Kurdistan? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Actually, in 2009, for the first time, a change movement was found. It was a wing inside a reformist wing inside of PUK and uh, he uh, participated in the election and they got 25 cities in parliament out of 111 uh, like it was uh, a lot of cheating in the election despite of all of this cheating he got 25 cities in parliament i can say it was uh, like a turning point in the political history in Iraqi kurdistan because for the first time the there were some opposition po- opposition parliamentarians and lawmakers inside of parliament. Unfortunately, it didn't work. It turned out even to people to be more disappointed in Iraqi Kurdistan because in 2014, because of all that pressure on the opposition political parties, change movement decided to join the government, to the new cabinet of the government. Uh, people were very disappointed and they were feeling that change movement also being another PUK and PDK, uh, eventually. And unfortunately, it was what happened. People were very disappointed and they were thinking in a peaceful approach, peace cannot and reform cannot be made. So people started a lot of demonstration in Iraqi Kurdistan, but because this government is, they are cheating in the election. Uh, These political parties, they are cheating in the election. They have power. They have military forces and also they have money. So it is very difficult for people to challenge them. But still, there are some other groups that are still challenging the government and in a peaceful way, they are demonstrating against these two regimes.
0: That is Cameron Osman there on the Paradigm Shift. We're talking about Iraqi Kurdistan. Let's hear a song. On the Paradigm Shift on 4 triple Z, that song you just heard there is Goran Safin with Karajani Ashti. I'm not totally sure. That means Ashti means peace. I can tell you that much. But that one uh, classic Kurdish protest song. Uh, before then, we were speaking with Cameron Osman, getting a little bit of a background about what the political situation is in Iraqi Kurdistan. Now we're going to talk a bit about uh, what... Cameron's been involved in, in trying to bring a bit of peace and justice to this part of the world. So let's talk a bit more about, I guess, the two projects that CPT does that you've mentioned. One is documenting cross-border bombings and the other is defending civil society. And that kind of politics is linked to both of these. But I guess we'll start with the cross-border bombings. Can you tell us about... Out,
2: what CPT does and what's important to that? Yeah, so CPT was found in 2002 in Iraq. Then in 2000, CPT was moved to Iraqi Kurdistan from Baghdad to Iraqi Kurdistan. Since this this time, whenever the bombardment is happening, we as CPT we are going to the villages, talking to the civilians and getting information from the first hand, documenting all that violations that happened to the people and the, how people have been impacted. We are addressing all of these issues, reporting about that and also together with the families we are asking Turkey to stop the bombardment, reaching out to the KRG government and Iraqi federal government to protect the, the civilian lives and also protect the sovereignty of Iraq because what Turkey is doing, there is no any agreement. Like there is nothing, it's not a legal way how to uh, resolve the problems and it is not the war of Kurdish people from Iraqi Kurdistan It is the the Turkey the Turkey internal problem because Kurdish people from Turkey. They are challenging Turkish government It's their internal problem, but they brought that war for Iraqi Kurdistan civilian People and they have destroyed a lot of farmers. They have destroyed the civilian lives uh, like hundreds of uh, hundred of villages have been displaced because of this ongoing bombardment. So we as CPT, we are trying to address all of these issues, telling and uh, like reaching out to the international community, consulates telling them that by the weapon of this international community and by the support of this international community, a member of NATO, which is Turkey, is bombing the civilian people uh, in the area. And also we are trying to get compensation for the people. And there is no any documentation. There is no any data collection in Iraqi Kurdistan. We are the only organization who take care of this kind of things. We are collecting data and also talking to the Iraqi government, all the sides, all the like political sides, talking to all of them to bring them to the table and make a decision about compensation. And it's what we did last year. We paid two visitors to Baghdad with the families and they promised to compensate all the people. We as CPT, uh, hopefully in the few month, months, we will submit all the documentaries and we will get compensation for uh, all of these impacted people. Mm. It's
0: amazing you have not only Turkish and Iranian planes dropping bombs in Iraqi Kurdistan, but actually building military bases inside this country, and I guess the uh, politically again, uh, the Iraq central government they're saying, "Oh, this is Kurds; they're, they're not concerned with it." And as you mentioned, the big political parties have are uh, quite influenced by these neighbouring country. Yeah. That can you tell us a bit more yeah. about? I mean, that situation, how that works yeah. politically.
2: Unfortunately, Turkey uh, since two thousand uh, seventeen, December two thousand seventeen, they have found. 64 big military bases inside of Iraqi Kurdistan, and uh, like uh, alongside with the whole border from the triangle between Iraq, Iran, and Turkey until the other side to Rojava, to Syria. And Turkey wants to make a buffer zone and connecting all the military bases with the Turkish military bases in Syria. And like separating Kurdish people from both sides. Uh, all of these military bases have been found by the help of the KRG government, especially KDP, because they have a 50 years oil uh, agreement together. And Turkey is uh, Turkey even has the uh, military airport inside of Iraqi Kurdistan. They have director TB2 drone. This drone cannot fly like for a long distance, so it had to fly from taking like. Uh, taking off from Iraqi Kurdistan. So they have their own military airport inside of Iraqi Kurdistan. Uh, Throughout of our observation in the area, we feel that protecting the border, it is the Iraqi government, uh, according to constitution, it is the duty of the Iraqi government. But Iraqi government gave this power authority to Iraqi Kurdistan, KRG government, and they gave them this power to protect the border. But unfortunately, KRG government, instead of stopping Turkey, they are silent and also they are providing them some kind of equipment for building these military bases. In the other side, also PUK is helping Iran for building a lot of military bases inside of Iraqi Kurdistan. Alongside the whole border, you can see the big blood sugars in the night. How te- How Iran also have hundreds of military bases. Even Iranian military bases even are more than the Turkish military bases. But the Turkish military bases are randomly shooting at the villages, killing civilians. But the Iranian military bases, they are only targeting the Kurdish rebel groups. But they are, they are in the past, they were targeting the civilians, but not anymore. Only time to time, they are targeting civilians. And it's happening, actually. We are very concerned about that. But Turkey is mostly targeting civilian people. And Turkey has drones. Some of these drones, they are getting coordinations from the ground. And we really believe somehow the political, like the Kurdish authorities are giving them this signal or coordination of the locations for targeting people. And uh, like the the drones should be very precise from distinguishing, making distinguish between combatants and also civilians. But unfortunately, After Turkey found the drones, like in 2015, after the first time using the drones, like civilians being more targeted, civilians being more like the victim or the the victim of this war. They are the people who are mostly impacted, not the combatants, for sure, they are also impacted, but mostly civilians being killed by the drones. And all of these things, it's with the help of these two political parties.
3: لميدان كُردايتي كبا يتخثي بلا هي همو واقف، كان غربًا فلهك كُردايتي Berneschi sa de o kse la e fi بكاي بوجيان شيخو ابكاي بوجيان شيخو لا ميدان ابو يكدن هاوالكين خونا قال مال che la guardò
0: You are listening to the Paradigm Shift on 4Z 102.1 FM. I don't know what the name of that song or the artist is because though I was given it as a classic uh, Kurdish song by Cameron Osman today's interview subject. Um, it's all written in Kurdish, and I couldn't even get a uh, Google Translate to work. Um, those of us who are worried all about you know, AI taking over humanity can rest assured that the AI, I can't manage to translate the name of a song yet, and so it's probably a little while off yet. But anyway, a uh, classic Kurdish protest song, that one. Very musical culture, Kurdistan. They love the sing alongs, and I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of. Uh, sad songs about heartbreak that's pretty classic in Kurdish music but also a lot of songs about a Kurdish identity and about the struggle um, the political struggle for that um, we have been talking with Cameron Osman before that, about um, Turkey and Iran bombing parts of Iraqi Kurdistan we're going to go back a bit to talk about uh, the internal politics, some of the resistance movements and some of the repression that they face. The other project is supporting civil society, activists and journalists.
2: Can you tell us about that? Uh, we as CPT, since 2016, we are also supporting the, the, the human rights defenders, activists and also journalists. Mostly in Iraqi Kurdistan, the journalists, they are very supportless people, they are not receiving any support. The syndicate of journalists, we have syndicate of journalists, they are affiliated with the political parties. When a journalist is being targeted instead of advocating for the journalists, this syndicate is saying it was the mistake by the journalists, it was not um, the fault of the political parties. We as CPT we are addressing all of these issues, talking to the political, like talking to the authorities, talking to the governmental institutions, and also with the other NGOs. We are publicly on the media and also in our reports we are mentioning all that human rights violations against the, uh, like freedom of speech, freedom of expression in Iraqi Kurdistan. In the same time, we are regularly meeting with the consulates and raising the issue of freedom of speech and freedom. Of uh, expression, we are participating in the court hearings. Uh, like the the recent uh, case was the Badinam prisoner's case that 81 journalists and activists got arrested in 2020, and since that time, CPT had uh, participated in 22 court hearings to listen to what's going on to, to the situation, advocating for these people to being out from the prison. Uh, luckily, now only four people are remained in the prison. The rest are uh, all released and we are still continuing on uh, like advocating for these people to be out from the prison uh, as well. And somehow these cases are related to our first project, which is the Badinian prisoners case. These people, they were exposing the Turkish military bases in Iraqi Kurdistan. They were talking about the Turkish bombardments, And KDP arrested all of these people because of their work, their activism work and journalism work on Turkey. And after they got arrested in the court hearings, we were there and observing, they were telling them why you send an email or you send uh, a letter to the US consulate and British consulate, German consulate and asking them to put pressure on Turkey to stop bombardments. Why you ask them? And a guy, he got uh, three years and a half imprisonment just for asking this consulate to ask Turkey to stop bombardments. And another activist, uh, he he was punished, he was sentenced for two years and a half imprisonment because he translated that letter. So it's all connected together. Now, in, in Iraqi Kurdistan, if you are blaming Turkey for what they are doing in Iraqi Kurdistan, if you are making them accountable and asking them to not target civilian people, you should uh, expect the retaliation from the Kurdish uh, groups, Kurdish political parties in Iraq Kurdistan who are running the government who has power because of their oil and business agreements with Turkey, which is, for us, it doesn't make any sense. And, uh, like, it is very heartbreaking. Uh, the people who are fighting against oppression, against Saddam Hussein's regime for a long time, for decades, now they are in the cities. They are. They have power. They are fighting against the people who are fighting against oppression and violence. For us, it doesn't make sense, and it's very heartbreaking for us that the Kurdish people who fought for freedom now they are the people who are killing freedom. They are the people who are who wants to make people silent, and they are working against freedom of expression. All that kind of oppression
0: uh, must make it very difficult for people to stand up, to political activism or yeah, independent journalism and things like that. What's the situation like in Iraqi Kurdistan? Is there still movements of people
2: standing up to the government? As I said before, the opposition political parties, where they faced this, all of these obstacles and they failed in making reform in Iraqi Kurdistan, the civil society also, they, they were very disappointed after that. But now people are re-emerging. The group is the civil society. They are still trying to challenge the government. And we have many women groups, youth groups, and also journalist groups. They are all together trying to challenge the Iraqi Kurdistan government and asking for reform. And also uh, they are trying to put pressure on them to put pressure on Turkey to stop the bombardments and advocating for our people, the civilians, farmers, Uh, villagers. There are still a lot of movements and there are still a lot of initiatives for changing the situation Uh, but there are a lot of other Obstacles for the people and the obstacles that we are facing in the civil society in Iraqi Kurdistan It's not only from the KRG government It's from the neighboring countries as well because they have a lot of power They are assassinating people activists inside of Iraqi Kurdistan in the last two years MIT Turkish intelligence agency They have assassinated seven people inside of Iraqi Kurdistan that they were all civilian people And Iran also. We have a very long history with Iran that inside of Iraqi Kurdistan they are assassinating the political activists and also like the civil activists in Iraqi Kurdistan. So there are a lot of obstacles for us without being protected, but still there are a lot of movements and initiatives from uh, like grassroots initiatives from the local people that they are trying to make some reform in Iraqi Kurdistan.
0: Well, what do you think the future looks like for Iraqi Kurdistan and what are some things that can help to make the future
2: look a bit better? To be honest, I'm very concerned about the situation. I really feel that the consulates in Iraqi Kurdistan, the international community in that their presence in Iraqi Kurdistan, they have interests. They do nothing without their interest. So I really feel that uh, if they will withdraw, from Iraqi Kurdistan. Maybe Iraqi government will come back to here and they will take the opportunity of bad relationship between PUK and KDP, Barzani and Talabani. They will take that opportunity and they will, maybe we will lose our autonomy in Iraqi Kurdistan because we are not very united. The, our political parties are not very united. They are, each of them, they have their own agenda with the neighboring countries. And it is uh, the weak point for Iraqi Kurdistan and I'm very concerned that if we will lose this autonomy area. But in the same time, I have hope, uh, a lot of hope that the new generation as the people in Iraqi Kurdistan, there's a lot of conversations. What should we do for the future? How we can reorganize ourselves again and challenge this, all of this uh, systematic oppression against people. But I don't want to hide that. I'm very concerned about losing this autonomy area and how we were genocided in 1980s, how we were oppressed in the last decades. The same thing will happen. And we as Kurdish people, we don't want any involvement from United States, United Kingdom, all of these countries, because they have big slogan, which is freedom. But when they are coming to our countries, it's invasion, actually. And I really think what they did in 2003, it was not liberation, it was invasion. And now we are suffering from the consequences of that invasion. Okay, those paths, Cameron. Thank you so much.
0: That was Cameron Osman there from Community Peacemaker Teams in Iraqi Kurdistan. We're actually not quite done hearing uh, from Cameron on the show today. I did have another little chat with him, which I'll play in a minute. But for now, let's go to a song.
3: Far mudat a bekas, far mudat a bekas, ni To tu To tu bekasid jar ektef chora va mameyaran bolayi o piresha suharan. Leve her do, leve her do barch var chavi kizuti khalki o shahar. Shon mo bekasian. No
1: You never want to hear. Hard to
0: That song there is Cameron Mustafa with Bedang Nabin, which translates as Don't Worry. Um, and before then, we were speaking with another Cameron, Cameron Osman, uh, about Iraqi Kurdistan. There's plenty to worry about in uh, this place, of course. Um, a lot of conflict, a lot of uh, political issues to do with transparency and. Uh, democracy and things like that, but there's also a lot of uh, good being done politically, a lot of hard work, incredibly courageous work uh, by people who who will not be stopped by the threats of violence and imprisonment, and as well as a lot of people um, as ever living uh, joyful and meaningful lives in Iraqi Kurdistan as well. Now, that little song I just played there called Don't Worry um, and a couple of other songs on the show today uh, came from the 2011 Kurdish Spring, as they call it here. It was a big year for protest, 2011, some of you may remember, um, particularly in the Middle East here where um, several long-standing dictatorship regimes uh, toppled, under the pressure of non-violent protests, um, it was there was new technology involved, which was very exciting, and um, it led to big changes in the region. It's still the effects are still being felt, although uh, it's a complicated history now. But at the time um, in Australia, we were hearing about this, and it was all very exciting, and um, quite a few of us, you know, decided that we wanted to do our own political occupations and things as well and so I was part of the Occupy Brisbane Encampment and I'll give a shout out right now to um, anybody who's listening to this who also was part of that in any way or the other Occupy um, movements around Australia and the world. It was a time I guess when we managed to suspend our normal disillusionment to believe that maybe big changes are possible if you get together and see what you can do. I'm not sure Occupy Brisbane made that many big changes, but certainly better off for having a go than we would have been to sit at home and do nothing. But in the Middle East, where political activism is very hard work and often very dangerous, people sense it as opportunity and this week sends an opportunity to actually talk to Cameron who was involved in the Kurdish Spring about what it was like and so that's what's coming up So Cameron a lot of the songs that you've given us are songs from 2011 which was a big year for protests around the world but particularly in the Middle East Can you tell us about in Kurdistan what did these
2: protests in 2011 look like? Yeah, in February 17th of 2011 Uh, civil society activists and also people from Suleymaniyah, they decided to uh, have demonstrations against the corruption in Iraqi Kurdistan and the leaders that they are not only uh, stealing money, in the same time killing people, protesters, journalists and activists, kidnapping them. So it started in February 11th and the KDP, Kurdistan Democratic Party, uh, they rejected and they rejected uh, for that protest in a very harsh and harm way. It was very violent. They were shooting at the people. And in that day, in the first day, very first day, uh, one of the protesters, he was only 15 years old. He got killed in front of the KDP headquarters. And the demonstrations extended for 64 days. Even the city center, we are calling After that demonstration, the name of that place was changed for the uh, center of freedom, Sarai Azadi. Now we are all saying the center of Azadi. We don't say city center. And after that, 10 more people got killed and hundreds of people got injured. A lot of students from universities, they joined the demonstration. Mothers, they joined the demonstration. All people from the other sectors, they joined the demonstration. And... The civil society activists found out that there are a lot of confrontation between demonstrators and uh, the soldiers and security agents on the street. So they decided to make peace fence between these two groups, and they wear a white shirt and they wrote "HT Peace" on these uh, shirts, and they were not letting the, the, the letting the security agents to attack the demonstrators. A uh, like human shield. Yes, as a human shield. And after 64 days in in, in February, that demonstration was, was ended up in a very violent way that the KRG government decided to attack the demonstrators, kidnap a lot of demonstrators, arrest them. Uh, and uh, yeah, it turned out in a way that people were very disappointed after that. People from Sulaymaniyah, they were not allowed to demonstrate for like one one year, and in all every kind of occasion, when we were uh, calling for demonstration, the whole city was militarized. I remember that time. I was only seventeen years old. I was one of the organizers, demonstration organizers, in rania and in the other areas in Halabja, Kalar, they were all demonstrations for sixty-four days in erbil zone and Badinans. People decided to have some demonstrations, but KRG government didn't allow them and even they shut the university down for almost one month. They didn't allow the students and teachers to meet each other and organize demonstrations. Two times they tried, but uh, they were, a lot of students got arrested. So that's why people from Arbil and Arbilan could not join the demonstrations in Sulaymaniyah. So at the time, there was lots happening in other countries in the
0: Middle East, particularly starting in Tunisia, Egypt, Libya, places like this, but all over the Middle East. Were people hearing about what was happening in these other countries and being inspired by these regimes falling in other countries?
2: I remember the first, like how the uh, Arabic Spring started. Muhammad Bu Azizi, he was the first person who set fire on himself and he started the demonstration. So when it happened in Kurdistan, we were talking about that. You're saying maybe it's the time for us as well to come to on the street and have peaceful demonstration and uh, tell the government that we don't want a corrupted government. We don't want an oppressor government anymore. Uh, So I think we were all inspired by each other. Like in the Middle East, all the regions, all the countries, we were uh, inspired by each other. I remember when the Egypt president, uh, Mubarak, he was kicked out from the government. Uh, The demonstration, only one day after that, it was bigger in Suleimania, Like more people joined. It It was bringing hope for people that maybe uh, our... Uh, leaders would be kicked out as well in the area. But unfortunately, I can say the international government was supporting our government here. They had a lot of interest, a lot of business and trade de- dealing with, with each other. That's why they were still supporting KRG government. They didn't care about how many people being killed on the street, how many people have been arrested. I can say because of that, our government still there in power. Mm. When
0: people in Western countries were talking about the Arab Spring, one of the things they often mentioned was social media, which was quite new at the time and people sharing things on social media. I've always wondered how true that was, how influential social media was. So maybe you can share with me, how much influence do you think social media had on these demonstrations?
2: I can't say, maybe it's true in the uh, Arabic countries, but for Kurdistan I can say the tea shoppers played the role of the Facebook and social media. We were having tea in the shop and organizing the demonstrations. It was not only about the Facebook, but I can say in the end of the demonstration Facebook played a great role. That's why government decided to block all the Facebook and they shut the internet down. We didn't have access for internet because people were not allowed to get out from their house. The whole city was militarized. And people were in house, they were organizing by messenger, uh, um, creating a lot of group chatters for discussing how to uh, demonstrate again, come back to the street. But when government found out, they also cut that source and that way of communication between people. Uh, for one week, we didn't have access for internet and all the companies, they stopped the internet. But I can say the tea shoppers played a great role during the demonstration and we were all connected and all our meetings were happening in the tea shops. It was a tea-powered revolution. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: do you think it had much influence looking back now, it's, uh, what, 12 years ago? Um do you think that there was much lasting influence from those protests then?
2: I can't say it was uh like that demonstrations impacted the situation a lot in both ways in a good way and also in a negative way. In a positive way, I can say I personally uh, the raising awareness in Iraqi Kurdistan because of the, the 17th of February we are calling Hawdayshubat demonstrations it was very helpful for the new generation to understand what's happening because it was not only demonstration. On the media, all the programs were about the demonstrations. So for me as a person, was very important to be aware of what's going on in the country. So uh, it had that impact and it changed the life of many people and it encouraged us to fight for freedom and peace. And also, still we are talking about that demonstrations. A lot of people... They joined civil society, a lot of people, they became journalists after that time, and a lot of people, they decided to care more about the public life, not only about the individual life. But in uh, another way, in a negative way, I can mention that people ha- had a lot of hope about that demonstration. We believed that the government would be kicked out, and we will have freedom, we will not have corrupt government anymore. But actually, after that demonstrations, people uh, have been more disappointed about the situation. And even some people are saying, we already chose the peaceful way. We could not get anything. Now it's the time for uh, testing or uh, experiencing something new for changing the government. I'm hoping that it would not be a violence way. We are not in that point yet. I really hope people will continue on their peaceful way to change uh, this government and having a better government. Thanks. You're very
0: welcome. That is Cameron Osman there talking about the Kurdish Spring, what it's like to be involved in a political movement that genuinely feels like it has the possibility of overthrowing a corrupt regime. Not many of us get to experience those kinds of moments and it's great to uh, get that little insight into it. I have, um, over the last month or so that I have been here in Iraqi Kurdistan, I've spoken to a lot of people who have sacrificed an incredible amount for uh, the struggles for human rights and peace here. And it's not uh, super easy to uh, record radio programs because... Most people don't speak English and I'm chatting to them through a translator and things like that. But I will, over the next few weeks, be trying to bring you a few more um, interviews from Iraqi Kurdistan. There's certainly a lot to talk about. And not just here either. I mean, uh, Turkey, very interesting politically, uh, what's happening there. And of course, in Syria, where the Kurds um, have been part of trying to construct... Uh, new ways of thinking about democracy I'm trying to live out um, grassroots democratic society while uh, trying to be environmentally sustainable and uh, thinking about things like gender equality and they've had to do it all the while with a um, Syrian government that doesn't want them there Turkish government doesn't want them there they've had to fight a war against the Islamic State and they're still having to uh, maintain Islamic State prisons there with, where the rest of the world has sort of refused to take back um, fighters who have been held as prisoners of war there and of course most recently in uh, Syria, Rojava there they've had to deal with a horrendous earthquake um, which it's hard to deal with for anybody but when you've got governments blocking off suppliers getting into you, um, that makes it even more difficult. So um, hopefully, yes, I'll be chatting with a couple of people from Rajava in the coming weeks. Um, it really is uh, worth paying attention to that and worth supporting it as well. You know, these people, they're, they're really putting a lot on the line and I think our common humanity should be enough reason to try to find ways to support but as well the kind of uh, experiments in other ways of governing there could in the long run benefit a lot of us around the world if they're given the chance to survive and flourish. One other place where Kurds have been part of big social movements against very autocratic government is in Iran where at the end of last year, uh, many of you will have heard of big protests for women's rights, but for all kinds of freedoms in Iran. And uh, Kurds were a big part of that here, what they call Rochalat, the Iranian part of Kurdistan. The spark of those protests was the death of Kurdish woman, Masa Amini. And I'm going to go out with a song by another Kurdish-Iranian, Hani Mojtahedi. Her song is the catch cry of those protests, Jinjian Azadi. It does mean woman, life, freedom. And I hope that the people courageously standing up for those values here in the Middle East can be an inspiration to us all everywhere. I'll be back next week with more See
4: you then. Bum ba runachi Levi Hatal, chaula <laughs> Lake Levi Tawar Rana Lare you, Ashka. What Shabange hi nui buna wan tishizumu sherdestia bengen ba runaki lewe hataw shaw leye lewe tawar rana waseu lare asha serdani. I'm going to go the to